Welcome to Let's Talk Agriculture, episode 11. In this podcast, Oliver McIntyre talks to Emma Victoria Holton, the accidental farmer and award-winning podcast producer, about her experiences of entering the farming sector during the pandemic and how the topic of sustainability is shaping the industry. Here's Oliver. Right, this month I'm actually on site recording the podcast and I'm in a very sunny West Lancashire and I'm here to meet Emma Halton, who describes herself as the accidental farmer on social media. Hi Emma, how are you? I'm very good, thank you Oliver. Thank you for joining us today. So, this is where the journey all starts for our produce. So this here is our seeding line. This is where we seed all of our spring greens, kale and then other varieties of vegetable for customers. We also propagate for customers here. So this can actually seed 500 to 600 trays an hour, which is incredible really. If you have a look at the size of these trays. I suppose for the, for the benefit, because it's an audio thing rather than a visual thing, it is exactly as you described. There is a, a huge conveyor belt system going on, a mass of trays. We sow these on the line. We actually sow, propagate, plant, grow and harvest all of our own produce so it doesn't go anywhere else. So we're stood on on the seeding line now obviously that's semi-automated you've got all your trays planted up what happens next Emma? So after that we do what's called laying down actually which does sound very lazy but it's not it's quite an intense job of laying down the trays physically in the glass houses and then the plants are left basically until they're strong enough to be planted in our field or at the appropriate age or height for our for our customers to take them on so you're looking for when they're staying here and getting grown on here just that sort of strong establishment you know that plant's going to survive and and really take or as you said for the for clients who you propagate seeds for they'll want them at a certain growth stage and and take them when they're ready yeah that's right and and we also propagate a lot of leeks and before they're dispatched to a a customer they're actually um, trimmed down on a machine because they actually grow quite tall and they grow so quickly but they need to be a certain length so they can be planted so it just depends on on their own personal preference really so next part of the day i'm going to meet paul whose family run the business here in west lancashire yes nice to meet you oliver thank you for coming down to the site and seeing what we do and our approach to the way we farm so emma harvests these leaves in the field we try not to harvest these white ones these leaves we put in a box lay them flat and we sell them to wholesale markets that then their customers are Chinese restaurants and takeaways. Right. And they slice them up and do the crispy seaweed from them. But they like it because it's really thick and green leaf. And presumably before that's just like waste product disappearing um, into the ground, ploughed well, back in or? Not entirely, but it's probably more of a premium product. Yeah, yeah. So we chuck more weight away because you're not harvesting the kind of stalks and that you, you know it's quite a light product, but it's a premium for them. What they do is they traditionally just take the cabbages that are in bags, take the bag, you know, so they throw the plastic away. So we're preventing them using waste and chucking waste away. And they prep them from here and they don't have all the small leaves, the white leaves, the stalks. Yeah, yeah. So it's um, it's better for them and like you say, a lot of our product. And how long um, have you been doing those for now? Um, we've been trying to get into this for the last four years in this particular product. <laughs> Overnight success. Well, it's, yeah, it's one of those where you're trying to find the right variety. You're trying to get customers to like you. There's only one other competitor in this product in the UK. 
<laughs> which in farming terms is ridiculous. That's amazing, yeah, yeah. So that's why we've gone and kind of full gung-ho at it. Makes you wonder why it took you so long to get into it if there's only one. Well, I guess, well, I guess it's because other people are like, well, they're the only ones that do it, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah. So I, we buy from them. So. My motto always is, if somebody else is doing it, someone else can do it better. Yeah. So there's a market. Yeah, I've gone into it a little bit. And over time, you've kind of done a bit. And then we've not had supply. And, you know, it's one of those where you're just trying to gauge what do the customer want. You go and see them. I've actually just been round to the local takeaways around here. So taking the products in and literally going, because I know it's right now. Yeah, yeah. And I've gone, what do you think to this? <laughs> <laughs> and they've gone that's really good that's really good I said we can order it direct off us and then we obviously add on another 20-30% and produce food miles as well yeah exactly I mean the one customer I went into in Longton yeah, so yeah. just down the road from where we are in Hesketh Bank and spoke to them I said there he is so they went into the back and they got out the box of the cabbage that they get the product in and it's our box <laughs> and I said, where did you buy that? It wasn't the leaf product, it was the normal traditional pre-packed cabbage. Uh -huh. Where do you buy that from? And he said, Manchester. So we pack it in Hesketh Bank, it then gets delivered to Manchester, and then they order it from Manchester, gets delivered back. Yeah, straight back to Hunks two miles down the road. <laughs> yeah. So we kind of changed our system. A lot of your customers as well harvest on rigs in fields. Yeah. So we just went straight into harvesting, into bins, keep the staff, levels low in the field harvest in the morning when it's fresher so we can hold 42 bins on that trailer okay. which is a lot of cabbage about 1500 boxes i think it is 1200 and then they come back in one hit so again we're saving transport miles with the lorry we were going for that in our other method we would be going four times to bring back from the field and now we're only going once and it keeps the staff levels in the field lower and then we can then look at automation in the pack house invest in more higher technology with more qualified people higher wage rates and, and a nicer working environment essentially and also improving productivity yes more higher skilled yes. people will, will be more productive yeah, yeah. less waste yeah and, really? and you once said you could say well it's reducing jobs down because you've not got jobs in the field but the way i see it you've got jobs in the pack house at higher value with a better quality of life, but then you're actually employing people through the machine you've got. So you've got the servicing team, the guys that are designing the machines, the packaging people, you know, looking at packaging that kind of maybe made from oilseed rape rather than plastic-based petroleum stuffs. Okay, so we've moved into a different glass house now. It's a sea of green. Explain to me, what's, what have we got in these trays and what's this sort of stage and, and what happens after that, Emma? This is different varieties of spring greens that we will be planting in our own fields. And then a bit further, I know you'll be disappointed to hear this, Oliver, you're not a fan, but we've got cauliflowers that we're propagating for customers here. Cauliflower's the one thing I just cannot eat, I'm afraid. It's, it, I was going to say it's not top of the list of my things to eat, it's just not on my list of things to eat, but as long as we stay a safe distance, I think I'll be quite safe, Emma. I eat a lot of other greens, but mm, cauliflower, no, can't do it. And you, do you like cabbage? I love cabbage. That's all right then, you're okay. <laughs> We've got plenty here. So yeah, so you're asking me where this goes. Well, once this is all propagated, then in terms of the spring greens that are here, because just on the site that we're on today, we only grow kale in the field here. We don't grow spring greens. Spring greens will head over to our other site in North Wales. It's actually just on the border of England and Wales. Really good soil there for growing potatoes and also for growing spring greens. Fabulous. So what 
once it's established in here, you've got it to that sort of growth stage that you, you know it's going to fend for itself once it's planted out. It heads down to North Wales to get planted out down there. So what is the process for planting? Is it quite a labour intensive process or is it something that can be automated? When I first started working here, I was on the planting team and we had a, a manual planter. So it's just two people on the back and it would take quite a long time to plant with just two people manually dragging it. However, we've actually invested in an automatic planter, automatic transplanter, I think they call it actually. And it's essentially four sets of human hands. Well, it's more than that actually. I think it's 16 altogether planting it into the ground for you. So all you need to do is feed the trays in. So all you need is a tractor driver and someone on the back feeding it. So that's just two people. We've actually done some contract planting using that as well up in Scotland. And the planting teams could not believe there was just me and Paul on the planter all day. And uh, we'd managed to get through 10 to 11 stillages a day, which are the, the big wooden boxes that hold the trays. For manual planting, you're lucky if you can do, I mean, a good day's five stillages. So obviously that's that's increasing efficiency, it's increasing productivity, getting over the double the work rate with a far lower workforce. Some people may say that's a negative, we, there's not as many jobs to be done in the fields, but for me it, it feels like it's more productive and it's also an upskilling event. Yeah absolutely and it's really a proper professional career path as well and because the wage is higher as well it's just really retaining those people and people who really wanted to learn and get on for me i never thought in a million years that i would be running this automatic planter which is actually quite technical and it's flipping huge to lift and turn around on the headland as well but i just really enjoy learning the technical aspect and there's a lot of people on the farm that do as well so yeah there is that there's less labor but i just think there's there's more of an, an upskilling and also i suppose if people are people getting upskilled people are learning new skills as as you did when you first came on the farm it gives people that incentive as i suppose you've had to pick agriculture as a career path and actually what what we need in the industry is more people coming in more people from diverse backgrounds from different backgrounds people with different skill sets and maybe occasionally people go on farm and think this is not for me whereas if they can see that there's a progression and technology is taking a lot of the sort of back-breaking work out of it maybe it makes it a more positive experience for people yeah i would absolutely agree oliver and you know my previous career i was sat in a studio producing and i guess i've applied those skills to this role because you know they're both very technical so i'd absolutely agree So Emma, we've, we're out of the glass houses now, we're out in the field. Now, a lot of my background is livestock farming, so describe what we're looking at now, because I haven't got a clue what that is. <laughs> right, so this is what was a cabbage harvesting rig, and this is how we used to harvest what they call loose cabbage in the field, which is um, where it's actually packed into supermarket crates, six kilo boxes. So this is how we used to do it as a team. There'd be a conveyor belt running across the tractor that would be on crawl and it would go up, then there's a, a trailer at the back and the team would be packing the cabbage directly off the belt and putting onto a pallet, which was quite quick, but we needed a lot more people. So we decided to actually instead take this off the tractor and now we've got a multi-bin system at the front, so um, wooden potato bins, and we just cut into the bins. 
And if we had this rig, we'd usually be finishing about 5 p.m. every day, so we'd do 7 till 5. And now we're finishing about 12 o'clock, still cutting the same amount, but the team back here are packing it and it seems to be quicker, so we're getting more people out of the field. And Paul alluded to that earlier, just changing the way a business operates can just do so much for efficiency. So now rather than sort of packing in field and, and having all that quality control, he stood on the back of a machine, stood on the back of a platform, howling gales we're lucky today it's beautiful clear sunny day but you know we are in lancashire it can rain quite a lot up here the quality of packing and the quality of quality control must be so much better it is it is indeed so emma we've picked our way up a path we're looking at some beautiful straight lines and some beautiful fields of green crops not a cauliflower in sight i'm pleased to say what are we looking at here and tell us about the sort of process and what sort of growth stages we're at here right so we've got field here of different varieties of kale so we've got green kale red kale and then we've got cavalo nero which is actually also known as dinosaur kale that tends to go to a lot of your michelin star restaurants it's what you'd see at a supermarket in their premier range that's usually what you would see so we grow grow all all of those varieties here we've got the green kale that we're looking directly at now and at the beginning of the season we'll typically get a knife and cut it whole head but at this time of year we actually take the leaves off and then it grows back and it really is the gift that keeps giving I mean this has probably been harvested several times now in fact actually the, the stuff behind you can see sort of more it starts to stalk up so you can see it's been harvested and harvested and it comes back this is all we grow here on this site, like I said, in North Wales. That's the, the, the spring greens part of the operation, and we also do grow a bit of the kale as well. We also have some fields in Anglesey, which is going to allow us this year to grow early crop as well. So we'll actually have a sort of fresher, greener cabbage coming out of winter, which will be hopefully a bit more pleasant to harvest. <laughs> Well, that'd be excellent. And of course, that'll be the sort of, I mean, we're not too far from the coast here, but on Anglesey, that'll be that true maritime climate with earlier seasons start and whatever you So what we're looking at here is effectively what I suppose a lot of people would know if they buy that in a supermarket as curly kale, which comes off all sort of chopped and ready to go straight in the steamer. Big fan of kale, you'll be pleased to hear. Oh, um, good. <laughs> so, and does that sort of processing happen on site or does that processing happen elsewhere once it's been sold on? Yeah, so we actually don't process it like that. We put it in bags and most of our customer base are markets. So our stuff will go to markets all over the country, actually, uh, not just locally. In fact, London is, is a, a large portion of where our produce goes to. And then it would usually be the restaurants or whatever that will prepare it how they want. Cool. And then if we, if we look over our shoulders... Do you know what that is? I, I, I'm thinking that looks like cabbage of some description, but uh, I wouldn't be an expert in greens, as you already know. I've got some bad news for you, Oliver. <laughs> that is, in fact, a very large field of cauliflower. It's not our cauliflower, luckily, though, but uh, we have got one of the, the largest collie growers, actually, over the way here, so... Well, we've come in from the chilly wind and we're now... Well, I'll let you tell us where we are now, Emma. Right, so we're now in the final part, really, of the process, which is the pack house. So this is where we pack all of our spring greens and kale, ready to go out to the markets. 
It's, it's cauliflower safe though, I'm not going to bump into a cauliflower here. There is not a single cauliflower around here, so you're okay. So previously, most of the work that's happening in here now with the guys on the production line would have happened out on the field on the back of a trailer and, uh, and sorted that way, would it? For the loose cabbage, yeah, but still here we have pre-pack which put in, in bags, in individual bags, so that would still take place here. And the loose cabbage is the stuff in the supermarket boxes which would have been on the back, so yeah. All of that's been taken out the field and they're doing it all here. Emma, we've spent a couple of hours walking around the site today. I suppose what I'd ask is, you call yourself the accidental farmer. I should mention, actually, Emma is an award-winning podcast producer, so never one to shy away from a challenge. I've decided my podcast should be recorded with someone who's won an award for it. Cast your mind back to March last year, 2020. We all know lockdown came. You were in and out of London. You're recording your podcasts. What happened next? Right, well, first of all, Oliver, you're doing a fantastic job, might I say. So, you know, you, you would be a producer's dream to work with. We're going back to March 2020. So just before then, actually, in December, I just moved out of the city to buy a small holding in Saddleworth in Greater Manchester. And it was quite a stretch for me financially. I own a couple of horses. It was a couple of acres, really nice in the countryside. At the time, it was manageable. Things were going well with the business. But then March hit. Uh-huh. And a lot of my stuff was in-person contracts. So my clients didn't really want to record down the line. They were a bit worried about their marketing budget. So a lot of my contracts got put back or cancelled or reduced or whatever. And I thought, flipping heck, what am I going to do to make an income? Profits were dwindling quite a lot in the business. I have a couple of people working for me. So I thought, right, well, we've still got some contracts ongoing that will keep going, so maybe my staff can do that. Why don't I actually go and look for a J-O-B somewhere? <laughs> <laughs> so my options really were, at the time, obviously lockdown was just around the corner, working at a supermarket, which I didn't really like the thought of being around a lot of people. It was quite terrifying those first few weeks, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It really was. Or working as an admin assistant remotely. Now, again, I've not done that in 10 years, and so many people were looking for remote jobs like that at that time and I just sat there going come on give me a break what's going to happen and out of nowhere this farming publication came up on social media with an article saying that farms in particular growers and veg and fruit farmers were desperately looking for staff due to Brexit and also Covid so I, I saw that the publication had put it in there but I had to actually still search for the job where I'm based, and there's a lot of dairy farms, it's beef and sheep, and it's all run by families. So the families don't really need any help, they're all doing it themselves. So I looked further afield than where I'm based for the veg farms, and I found a database of farms in the Preston area. And so I went on their websites, I called them, I emailed them, and then I got a call from Paul a day later, it was two days into lockdown, uh-huh. and he said, well... It all sounds very good, Emma, but this is actually a practical job. So as much as you sound ideal, why don't you just come down for a day and see if you like it? Two days later, start on this farm. I get down here. They bung me on a tractor (laughs) into a field, give me this 10-inch blade, a a 10-inch knife, and go, cut that. And I'm like, what? (laughs) Excellent. Excellent. So a real culture shock for you from the past life in your own business to, as you say, rolling into the yard where we're recording now. Must have been quite nervous, must have been a culture shock. Did you love it from the off or be honest, were there moments where you thought, what on earth have I done here? Do you know what? 
I absolutely loved it from the beginning and people thought I was crazy because I was traveling an hour a day to come and stand in a freezing cold field because it was March so it was still frost and stuff in the dark a bit as well at the beginning of the day and cut this kale and this cabbage but it just gave me so much time to reflect on what was next and what I was going to do with my business and my staff and I don't know it was very cathartic I really enjoyed working here on the farm and here I am now still. (laughs) (laughs) As we will come on to, you haven't stopped either as lockdown has eased. I suppose I've got to ask you, needs must, as you said, we've all got bills to pay and with the start of lockdown, you found money wasn't coming in for your own business. But had you had a thought of a career in agriculture or entering into the agricultural sector as, as a means of work before lockdown came? It's something that I've always had an eye on. I've always loved the countryside. I'm actually from East Yorkshire, from the countryside myself, but my parents were just in a a modern housing estate. So they love the countryside, but at a distance. But one of my best friends was a farmer's daughter. And I spent most days and weekends with her on her farm, which was sheep and arable. Uh And I was so jealous of it. I used to just think, I wish my parents were farmers. I would love to do this job. But then I ended up with a career in media for 10 years. And I'd I know I would never have gone into it if COVID hadn't happened, really. So some good can come out of really horrific situations. And you clearly love it. Your enthusiasm shines through, especially when you were showing me around a little bit earlier today. You won a silver award at the British Farming Awards quite recently. And that's after, what, just 18 months in the industry. So that is amazing. I'm wondering, is working in agriculture a bit of a well-kept secret? And if it is, and the, the sort of job satisfaction and the enjoyment you can get from it, what can agriculture do to improve that public image of what a career in farming may or may not look like? Oh, there's so much to unpack there, really. For me, I would say this job has taught me so much about myself. And I think a lot of people need to realise the skills that you get from working on a farm. You know, I thought I was quite a confident person, but the confidence it's given me to step up and start operating machinery and stuff like that and completely different skill sets and problem solving. Every day you're solving a problem. It's really challenging in agriculture. And I think a lot of people and a lot of people that come here on their first day visualise that we are all wearing gingham shirts and a straw hat and plucking a few bits of of cabbage out the field. We're not very intelligent people, but my word, farmers are some of the most intelligent people I've met because one day you're a bookkeeper, one day you're a counsellor looking after your staff, one day you have to deal with tractors failing in the field, but you still have to get those orders done here. And so I think attracting people to it is just making people realise that there's so many different roles that you can do on a farm. It's not just looking after a few pigs or whatever. So Yeah, and I think, as you say, you've got to be a computer operator, you've got to be a counsellor, you've got to be HR department, you've got to be an engineer, an electrician and a problem solver. And as you'll have seen, I'm sure, and as obviously the attitude you came onto farm with, so many times when I was in practical farming, you'd get something to do and half the team would go, well, we'll have a go. And it's the way you learn, isn't it? Hands-on and practical, I think. And obviously more and more these days, what farmers are having to be is environmentalists at the moment, really. There's a huge amount of profile and publicity on sustainability. So I suppose what I would ask you is someone who's maybe just been on the edge of agriculture a little bit. Two years ago, did you have a perception of what agriculture was like from a climate change, greenhouse gas emissions and carbon footprint point of view? And has that changed at all now you've actually, you're engrossed in the industry? 
Yeah, I, I guess it's something I never really thought about that much before coming into the industry. But I would say over these 18 months, two years that I've been working in this, I think generally people are focusing more on agriculture and emissions as well and the carbon footprint impact. I would say in the veg industry, there's a lot more precision farming going on than there is in the livestock sector. And I, I've noticed that a lot. I've actually two months ago enrolled on an MSc course at Aberystwyth University studying bioinnovation. Oh, wow. Yeah, quite a change. So just to deviate and sidetrack, bioinnovation for those people who might not know exactly what that is, potentially myself included. It's really looking at how to create a sustainable food supply chain, starting right on farm through to logistics. So the first module that I'm doing is precision livestock farming. And it's a lot of what we've been doing in the veg game for many years is we work on such tight margins that we have to farm precisely. And obviously that affects sustainability. The more precise you can be on farm, that helps traceability. It helps reduce wastage. It's right the way across the food chain. And I think what that also will give you is it gives you the narrative for the marketing. If you can source a product, whether it's livestock, whether it's veg, combinable crops, if you can tell the story of the product all the way from probably even pre-field right through to it arriving on someone's plate, it adds to the marketability of that produce. And it is something that an awful lot of consumers are getting more and more interested in, isn't it? Where their foods come from and where it's travelled around. And I know we've already had a chat this morning about produce coming from here in West Lanks, getting sent to the market in Manchester and then getting bought straight back to various takeaways in West Lancashire. And by selling direct and giving that story of where that food's come from, much reduced food miles, much reduced cost of production. And that helps sustainability, not just on farm here, but also for those businesses that are buying into product as well. So obviously the theme for this year and probably into next year and the year after, dare I say, has been sustainability. And as I've already alluded to, it is about climate change. It's about carbon footprint and greenhouse gas emission. But especially speaking as a banker and an agriculturalist, it's not just about that. It's got to be about financial sustainability. Businesses have to make money in order to pay workforces and reinvest. But it's also about, I suppose, what I would call social sustainability part of that is attracting the right sort of people into the industry new talents the phrase that's often used but it's about attracting people from different backgrounds different skill sets which is the process whatever the drivers were it's the process you've gone through in the last 20 months if somebody's listening to this doesn't matter what age they are whether they're leaving school next year or doing their a levels or leaving college or whether they're in their 20s, 30s, 40s or 50s what would you say to someone who was sitting there thinking I've no idea what to do bit of a crossroads what about agriculture yeah it's funny because i get quite a few messages probably every day on my social media profile i've actually been sharing a lot of my farming journey online and it's attracted quite a lot of attention from people that are looking to get into agriculture and they seem to always say and they always seems to be the crossroads for them is they go well i didn't go to agricultural college i haven't done a course can i still do it what's your background how did you get into it and i say just do it just pick up the phone because it still is that industry where you need to turn up, which I know it's hard with COVID and everything, but even just picking up the phone and just offering to go and work on a farm, even if it's for free, just so you can gauge what you like in that industry, just do it. The key things we need on farms are people that have got a can-do attitude that turn up on time, that actually turn up is, yeah. is what we need and that are just 
happy to apply themselves in whatever. And, and if you can do that and you have that attitude, you're going to go really far in agriculture. But a lot of people's perception of working in agriculture is that you're on national minimum wage or in a low wage. And actually, you can earn really good money working in the agricultural sector. And I just don't think a lot of people are aware of that either. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. In the dim and distant past when I was at school, if you weren't that academic and maybe not that engaged in your schoolwork, but actually came from that practical farming background where you needed to be hands-on, perhaps sometimes there was an element of people that said you should go into agriculture because 30, 40 years ago, it was and still is in many ways quite a practical, quite hard work, quite heavy physical working industry. But we see so much innovation through technology, through agri-tech, through machinery, that it's an industry now that requires implementation. It requires forethought. It requires planning. It's still a manual job. You can't get away from that. But an awful lot of the really heavy manual work has been taken out of the equation. And I think perhaps that historic image puts an awful lot of people off coming into the industry. But these days, computer operator, IT, machinery operator, HR, even agricultural banker, the opportunities to get involved in producing UK food for UK consumers are almost endless. Yeah, absolutely, Oliver. And there are many farmers that do come from a traditional farming background, but there are new people coming up through the ranks that aren't from a farming background. They're from non-traditional backgrounds. And that really highlighted it for me at the British Farming Awards. There was a girl there who had been a hairdresser in London and she just packed up and became a shepherdess and now she's got a really successful business. Wow, brilliant story. And there were loads of people like that that are breaking through. And I just think that perception of what a farmer should be and what they should do is changing. Yeah, and I think that goes along with how the industry is changing because, as we've just said, traditionally very heavy, very manual, now massively technical. An awful lot of agri-technology is coming in. And if you don't know how to work a computer or a smartphone, you're going to find yourself getting outpaced a little bit in modern agriculture. So, Emma, award-winning podcast producer, but also an award-winning farmer now. What's next for you? Well, I'm actually making the move to North Wales next month. I'm actually selling my small holding and moving to North Wales. But I have my heart set on a farm business tenancy. I was on the shortlist for one in North Wales, which, again, I can't believe I was shortlisted after doing this for such a short period of time. I feel as though it's just indicating to me that my business idea has some legs. It also indicates what we've just been saying about the perceptions, not just of farmers, but people who let tenancies and the people responsible. The perception of what a farmer could or should be is actually changing. So that's really positive. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm hoping that a share farming or a farm business tenancy will come up around the area. But again, they're so hard to come by and they're so competitive. So I realised that That might not happen this year, it might happen in a few years, but I just hope that my passion and drive will help secure that. So that's what I'm wanting to do. I have a really keen interest in not only veg growing, I am known at work as Princess Cabbage. So yeah, it's not just veg growing, but also forage production. So I have two horses. I've got a 27-year-old horse that I've had since he was four. And I really think that he stayed alive for that long based on a very good forage-based diet. Uh So I'd really like to focus on growing forage for the pet and equine market. But also during lockdown, I also did some relief milking 
and oh, right. yeah, so very different to uh, to yeah, veg yeah, stuff. Absolutely. I just I just thought I would see what the difference is, and I don't want to annoy too many dairy farmers, but it's quite a bit more relaxed than the veg job. For a start, my boss actually gave me a cup of coffee before we started milking, which yeah, we don't have time to drink coffee in the veg game. <laughs> so I really have enjoyed working with cattle, and I'd really like to start a calf rearing business as well, especially as I've been learning all about precision livestock farming as yeah, well. Sure. I just feel having that in my system something that I'd like to do. So I suppose if you were to ask me to look into the future in five years time, it would be to have 200 acres on a nice farm in North Wales, maybe growing a few potatoes, forage and about 300 calves going through a nice system. I think that's what I'd like. Excellent. And are you going to keep up with the podcasts in the hope that you can become as good as I am? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have a very high bar set now and I am actually launching a podcast of my own in January, which is going to be around first generation farmers and demystifying what it takes to start your own farm business. You strike me as the sort of person, Emma, who when they put their mind to it, it's not hope or planning. It'll actually happen. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's been great to meet you. It's been great to meet Paul. And thank you so much for showing us around. Obviously, good luck for the future. And hopefully we'll stay in touch. And I can see how you're getting on in that next year, the year after and the year after that. Thank you very much, Oliver. Thank you for coming down. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and you'll receive a notification when the next episode is released, when no doubt we'll be discussing another issue with Effects UK Agriculture. All of our Let's Talk Agriculture podcasts are available to listen to or download on Spotify, Apple or SoundCloud on our Barclays Let's Talk Business channel. Thank you. We have a series of podcasts on our Let's Talk Business channel that delve deeper into important business topics and issues. Please add them to your playlist and take a listen. Make money work for you. We're not responsible for, nor do we endorse in any way, third-party websites or their content. The views and opinions expressed in this content don't necessarily reflect the views of Barclays Bank UK PLC, nor should they be taken as statements of policy or intent of Barclays Bank UK PLC. Barclays Bank UK PLC takes no responsibility for the veracity of information intimated by a third party and no warranties or undertakings of any kind, whether expressed or implied, regarding the accuracy or completeness of the information given. Barclays Bank UK PLC takes no liability for the impact of any decisions made based on information contained and views expressed. Barclays Bank UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority.